Hello and Happy New Year. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 5 of To The Studio. Today we have John Stratton and Tamu Kiwani on the podcast. Tamu was born in London in 1990 and is a London-based artist whose work examines his surrounding environment and considers the way value as a fiscal and cultural consideration is accumulated and transferred within it. Tamu has said that the topography of London, heritage, identity and materiality are the institutions that I'm interested in looking at within my work. I position myself into a socio-political awareness within these systems in order to create conversations that defect against their histories. I don't believe in the hierarchical approach of materials or I insist on ignoring them. I work within the context of the found. Each inquiry is a phase of a larger conceptual idea. I always love researching, be that material or learning a particular gating technique on Logic Pro. I like to work with a range of ideas and mediums so as to explore as many avenues as possible. However, the conclusion isn't that important to me, but the process in between is when you follow your gut and your head is a few steps behind. Recent solo exhibitions include the National Gallery of Zimbabwe in Bulawayo in March 2018, And group exhibitions and screenings include the London Short Film Festival at Regent Street Cinema in London in 2020, the Institute of Contemporary Arts in London in 2019, and the Kaunas Biennial in Lithuania in 2019. John Stratton was born in Bedford in 1966 and lives and works in London. He's been a practicing artist since 1998 and has exhibited both nationally and internationally. He received a bachelor's degree in fine art at Middlesex University in 1995 and an MA in painting from the Royal College of Art in 1998. As an artist, musician and academic, John's work ranges across painting, drawing, installation, moving image, sound and performance. The work often uses the strategy of accrual to deal with a visual form of veneration and cultural reclamation. The resulting installations of paintings, drawings and objects become a kind of makeshift memorial, an ex-voto offering when nostalgia becomes a form of revenge. The sedimentary process creates a convoluted cosmos of effigies, vandalas, portraits and trophies, a graveyard whose architecture is sustained by anxiety. Sometimes brutal and often absurd, his approach to figuration is fractured, automatic and schizophrenic. Since 2008, he has been concentrating on making short films and animations, sound works and live performances, as well as recording music. Current and recent projects, original copy, flatbed and headcase, have all utilised the programme developed with Ricardo Carbone, which translates visual material into sound. He has recently shown work in the Art of the Eerie at the St. Barb Museum and Art Gallery in Lymington in 2021, Fully Awake at Holden Gallery in Manchester in 2021, and he was part of the Fold Lab project Up is a Relative Concept in London in 2019, and also shown work as part of the Swedenborg Film Festival in London in 2018. And this was a really interesting chat in many ways, especially because John was Tamu's tutor at the Royal College a few years ago. But in the first instance, because we had the conversation in a space that held a lot of historical and emotional resonance for John. 
a space that had once been a previous tutor studio, obviously studied at the Royal College, but then later housed the gallery he set up with his friends, as well as doubling up at his own studio as well. So our chat begins there, and what that space means to John, but then moves from there into exploring the idea of a fixed studio, both Tamu and John's relationships with music and objects, the beauty and importance of collaboration, and both of their interests in lo-fi technologies. So I hope you enjoy our first episode of 2022. Here it is. Yeah, so I guess first of all, um, I guess it would be really, I guess it'd be interesting, John, if you could maybe describe where we are and the location and what okay. this what this space is for you and okay we can move on from there um okay so the, the building we're in is um uh, a building that is now owned by uh, a friend of mine but was previously owned um by someone that was one of my tutors when i was a student at the royal college and uh, afterwards we became good friends and it, this was his studio for for years from sort of early 70s up until his um, uh, death in about two, 2008, I think he passed away. And um, that's when his son inherited it. And now it's a, a home, but up and then it was a, a studio. And, and in various different guises, I spent a lot of time here either um, working in the, in the studio out the back or um, collaborating on a, a project space called 39 that we ran for about five or six years. Um, and they were all collaborative shows. So the building is uh, an old pub um, and it used to be um, owned by a hat maker. And uh, one of the times I came down here with my dad, who was a hat maker and worked um, around the corner in Clerkenwell, he recognised the building. So it's quite a, a few links, um, routes that go off into to the past, both with um, my friends and his father and, and my father. Um, so this, this area, all of this area of kind of London has changed so much. Um, and th this is a quite an old building and it's got quite a lot of history in it. And um, so seeing it now like this is a very kind of comfortable uh, apartment living space compared to the, the kind of, you know, working studio that it was for so many years and, and the, the kind of hub of activity, it was also busy in here. It's quite interesting talking about the studio and some of the conversations that um, Tamu and I have had about, you know, the idea of what or where the studio is and coming back to, to a, a place like this that holds so many memories for, for different reasons, but it's, it's, it's so far away from you know, what it was and, and how it functioned as a studio uh, compared to um, the, how comfortable and, uh, yeah, sort of elegant it is, yeah. it is now. Yeah. Um, maybe we should describe like, the, the, how the space looks and how it, how it feels to you, well, how it feels to you now, and what, what's here and is it, I mean, how, in, how, it, how it used to be and how it is now. In many ways, it, it, the, the kind of fabric of the building, the structure of it has been, you know, it, it's been kept very close to, to what it was. You can see, you know, the, the, the iron work and the, 
the kind of architraving and the original window. So it's a big open plan room. It was actually a pub. So um, again, a, a large kind of open space um, with a, a, a kind of brick, a very kind of nice brick. I don't know what you get. I mean, it's laid out like parquet, isn't it almost? But that's the original kind of floor. So it's got a very nice kind of you know, lofty industrial feel to it but it's, it's all been softened because of the the lighting I mean when when it was when it was a studio it had quite um, severe strip lighting it was very bright and you know, very light and, and very evenly whereas now it's got nice lamps and it feels uh, very sort of comfortable and uh, cozy but it's uh, I get, um, all of the spaces really as you walk through them not much has been done to the actual layout of the spaces other than the way that they're kind of furnished mm. um, downstairs the, the back room that's now the kitchen they're, they're all pretty much as the same dimensions and, yeah. and layout as they were when they were in you know, a working sort of workshop studio spaces so mm. it's uh, there it's instantly familiar on so many levels but again, a, another world apart because it's so, you know, warm and, and, and clean, clean, <laughs> and and, and, uh, and comfortable looking and uh, elegant rather than uh, as as you were saying earlier, the, the, the whole floor was covered with old painting canvases. It was it was quite the sound of walking through the room, it crunched, and bounced, because there was you know, years worth of big, uh, he used to work really massive, he's, when he first started sort of exhibiting, the paintings would have been the whole length of this wall, so right. when they didn't work right or they didn't go, and they just got peeled straight off the wall and put on the, glued back down to the floor. <laughs> so it's, um, which is unusual because often a lot of these, these kind of buildings, um, you know, there's, there's lots of kind of things built into the spaces to make it more, um, accommodating mm. or, 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 or to divide the space up differently but this again this is still very open plan you know even the way you enter the door it's the same kind of little um, the, the wall's got a hinge on it so it used to be closed for privacy and then it, it would fold back so you could get big pieces of timber or long lengths of canvas through that front door so even that hasn't changed it's the exact same layout it sounds the same, so it's. I mean, it's slightly, it's slightly softened because it's got more things in here, but it still has that kind of uh, resonance in the room because the ceilings are so high and, mm. and the, you know, there's a lot of um, hard surfaces and the the ironwork. But I don't remember that description actually. <laughs> it's a bit it'd be funny listening back to it to see <laughs> if my description actually, you know, carries the the. Kind of feel of the room because it's, it's it's quite special and it's and it's very it, what well, I suppose what I really like about it is it's it's also very much um, Alan it's his his kind of style really he, he he made things sound but was never wanted to make them too fussy or so the other building that he sort of studio was was very similar just stripped right back to what it was as mm. a, a you know a working building a, a pub or a and then just painted white, not, you know, because you, you could, you know, face all the walls off and plaster them all and it would all look really, I mean, that wall had to be done because it was damp and there was a problem with it, but all the others are, you know, that's, that's just um, painted brick, isn't it, really? And, mm. um, 
so yeah, not 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 too different on one level, but but a world apart, of a completely different time in another. Mm. But it's nice to be, in terms of what we've been talking about, sort of material histories of places and trying to pick up on these mm. resonance or resonances, resonance of, of of a place and how things get kind of caught within the kind of fabric of a place and mm. so. I think this is a good example, though. If you, yeah. you know, you mention your dad's history, the old tutor's history, and then you're also friends with his son. And then you, and then when was the last time you? When was the last time you came here, actually? Like, well, I've been here a number of times since. I mean, I left here in two thousand and eight, mm. and I've been back a number of times for different reasons. Just the, you know, the parties, social events, to, to to see Jake, catch up with Jake. Mm. Um, so it's. Um, it's not like I've, you know, it's, it, but it, I'm surprised. I always have that same kind of feeling. The moment I walk in the, the, the door, that mm. kind of residue is, is not gone at all. You know, it's, it's been, you know, it's been this way for many years now, you know, a, a long time. And, and I'm very used to, to seeing it like this. But all of those things that we've been talking about, the, the little kind of threads that mm. seem to kind of um, take you off very quickly... So, I mean, the smell is very mm. particular. I think it's just the, the nature of the, the building. It's got that. Mm. So, I, I, don't, I don't know if it, I mean, Jack, Jack was saying it's still a little bit damp in, in parts, but it's an old building and it's, um, it's there's, there's nothing that side of it as well, but it still, it still feels very evocative. And I can, mm. oh, well, that table I was showing you in the. Yeah, with the, with the sort of, like you said, you used to, um, what's it called? You suppress things you said. Just clamp, the clamp, tea clamps yeah, and clamps. different things. It was the workbench downstairs, so it was, um, and it was always very roughly used. We were always making things for the, for the shows, and and, and when when I, when I saw it in the kitchen, I said, oh, I've reclaimed it from downstairs and made a very nice kind of big sort of kitchen kind of top. The first thing I did was look at the marks and remember them because we used to make a lot of repetitive things because they were sort of big group shows. So it's quite funny seeing all those marks where that G clamp just was, mm. <laughs> you know, there was probably about 12 G clamps on the edge of that, that bench at one point, all holding these little bars up that we were making into those, those little pub sign hangers. So it's quite, <laughs> it's <laughs> and now it's all covered in, you know, nice drinks and. <laughs> nice cutlery and well that's and, interesting because yeah. like material history right it's like almost like you don't really know what happens up with that that when you were doing it it's like it can be upgraded and in, into status now it's like a beautiful table yeah right? but at the time you from the sounds of it you're you're using it purely as a work table but actually now what listening to you thinking that this is like a like Feng Shui example, isn't it? <laughs> I feel like it's like the definition should be this place because I feel like it's like I would love to have, the way you describe it. It's actually I, I'm trying to like imagine it. Mm. I saw that picture, but like imagine yeah. it being completely like 180. You know, um, it must be kind of like, and it's really had what it's just had three lives. Then the pub, and then well, no, I think it's had more more than that. It was, I think it was. A, 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 I'm not 100% sure, but I think at some point there was some some kind of a making activity that again, one of the people that owned it was uh, uh, involved in the hat trade, and this is mm. why my dad recognised the, the place when he when he came down because he'd always been involved in the hat trade, 
And um, so I think it said, an, an, uh, downstairs, uh, there was um, where we used to run the bar downstairs, mm. behind the back of the bar was a big safe. Yeah. Um, and a proper big, thick, heavy, you know, safe. And I think when they were redoing the building, because they've, when you go downstairs, they had to dig the floor out quite a bit. So the head height was, uh, it was very low down there. And sometimes mm. when we used to be doing our events down there, if, if, if you was over, six foot one then you'd probably have to duck your head down there so mm. when they dug the floor out uh, they decided it was it was too expensive too much work to get the, the safe out so they just dug a hole in the ground and just knocked the safe over and then put the concrete floor over the top of it so under the floor buried is this old <laughs> old wow. safe that was just too heavy to get but that but that, that's kind of beautiful because then also if you think about like uh like time so yeah. maybe one day someone's going to be very excited by the fact that they found this sort of, I don't know, maybe there's a renovation in 50, 60 years. And like, oh, there's a safe, you know? Yeah. And then it becomes this, then they have to conjure up maybe, I don't know, maybe if he doesn't pass it to a relative, yeah. they have to conjure up a story of like, why is there a safe yeah. that's empty, buried underneath the floor? And then, it, then that also starts another like little narrative, maybe attached to you, but yeah. maybe it's just for them, they go like, What's, what, what was this, you know, trying to figure out that, but then you give this answer that it was just for practical reasons. And then, I, over, yeah. and then I think about how many times in history, you know, people have like done something out of practical reasons, and we're just like, why? How did they do this? And they're just like, yeah, it was just in the ways of just knock this stone over. Someone's going to come up with a really clever kind of theory about it, and, it, and it'll be so far away from the pragmatics of some builders just deciding it's just a hell of a lot easier just to push the thing over and bury it yeah. than it is to try and pull it out of a basement. But it's... Uh, no, I mean, that's, I mean, it's funny because, you know, we've, we've all met up, you know, just outside a, a roundabout that we, we all thought we was pretty familiar with it. And all three of us have been, you know, outside of, you know, the, the, the lockdown time and, and have not have, you know, been out and about. We're all quite amazed at how much, even in that short period, that area has transformed. So, you know, this, this area, mm. um, you know, when you say 50, 60 years, it might be developed. You kind of think, oh, God, you know, it, it, would it, it could be five years' time, some big developer from just, you know, a few yards down the road sort of makes an offer that no one can refuse on this site and then it's, it's all, they're all down and there's some huge mm. kind of development because it's like, it's, it, it's such a kind of vibrant and busy area, isn't it? It's quite um well that that reminds me that's what the when i was in the project that project the caravan in, in germany the place where it was parked was specifically i wanted it to be there because the whole area had been gentrified apart from that little shit area right <laughs> so so it was very funny because um i think i had some like um i had Three, th three people tried to vandalise it because it, <laughs> they, they really, they really like because all the, the flats are like perfect and beautiful, and then there's one last little strip of, of like really bad grass and bad like you yeah. know wall with some spray paint, and then there's this caravan with me in it, and and you get all these very like um, rich German people walking yeah. past, and they're just like a little bit like. <gasps> You know, every time they walk past because it's like an eyesore, you know. 
And eventually that area is going to be turned into a car park and then it's going to be turned into flat, uh, right. turned into like flats and then it won't exist anymore. But I yeah. was, you know, I had, um, so like when I was doing the installation, I had one rock through the window. Really? And then I got two rocks through the window and then the window was completely smashed. And I was like, oh, people, it's kind of cool to have a strong reaction, <laughs> I suppose. It's actually a little bit heartbreaking. <laughs> and then actually I did a performance in there and then, and then also, this is the problem with it because there's all these like very tall flats. And I, did, I said to the creator, I don't really, I feel like everyone can see me and I don't know who, who's destroying the work. And I feel like they could be watching me. But I did this performance, a music performance. And then the next time I came, everything, someone had gone in and rearranged all the objects and then put like, and then actually, they, they decided they liked it now. Right. So it's had this whole like, but I never knew who this person was or who did it. <laughs> but they had been obviously watching. Yeah. But after they they were like, oh, okay, he's doing. A, they kind of figured out what the performance was, and then it's like, but then now it's going to be gone. But then everything about that area is just going to be painted over, grass could be cut, yeah. and concrete on the ground, and then you know it's kind of interesting how things change. You know. Well, I suppose that's the. I mean, that's the nature of things. But I think it's that. That, that idea that areas just become kind of uniform and that's what's been quite nice tonight in a way just you know the fact that this 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 street and its relationship to the the estate over there which is is um you know relatively modern but it that's been there quite a number of years and, and in relationship to the brand spanky new development just next to the to the roundabout which is almost it, you know it's just like a, a I don't know, futuristic kind of commerce zone isn't it it seems so you know so um, contemporary and, and you know sort of oozing that kind of idea of kind of growth and success and development and then you've got this area that's got this mishmash of it and you've got obviously got the church there which in in itself is redeveloped inside and there's now this amazing or it has been for quite a few years I suppose this amazing music venue um, you know housed within you know, this very, very old church building that, mm. you know, that was, again, would have been right on the, the kind of outside limits of the, you know, the kind of city, this mm. uh, whole kind of area was just, uh, you know, I mean, where the, the previous studio was, Shepherdess Walk, it's Shepherdess Walk, because that's where mm. <laughs> they would have driven the, 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 the sheep down the to, the, to the markets, you know, going down towards sort of, um, you know, yeah. Smithfields and stuff. So, again, they're, they're all... I know there's some buildings in Liverpool Street that used to like carry cattle, didn't they? As yeah. Well. It's kind of interesting to think about a different because it's like um, when you talk about like urban redevelopment, I always think about Whitechapel because it had like a lot of um, immigrants throughout the ages. I think there was like um, sort of like um, the, the French, I'm not yeah, yeah. French, and then was it the the Jewish faith? Yeah. And then I believe now it's the Indian, the Indian sort of immigration. And now now it's just, now I think it's in the process of being like, just completely redeveloped. Still with the Indian, because the, that's like the last immigrant, they stuck to that area. But it's kind of interesting that they had three waves of like, um, of um, developing that area where it is now. Because I think the, the French immigration, they were very good builders or uh, craftsmen. So they helped sort of develop the sort of architectural side of the area. Uh, and then, yeah, and there's this, uh, yeah, this thing's kind of amazing, these sort of like, 
layers of how a, a place gets its identity. But then also I'm a bit worried sometimes because now like with this sort of um, rush, it feels like very rushed at the moment. It's like I go away from I go away from Leytonstone for a bit and it's completely like feels like they're really you know really gentrified, really um, um, renovating the whole area, and it's pushing. I feel like it's like pushing away um, uh, a lot of the artists from the city, you know, because of that. And I don't know, it's nice to have a bit of a rubbish area sometimes to play in, I think. Mm. Like, but it's about how things are sort of, you know, made, made possible. And, and you know, this, this kind of existence for someone, you know, like Alan, in the, you know, the 70s, that was a, a kind of realistic possibility, you know, to find a space that, that, that people had no interest in mm. and, and to use it for a kind of cultural activity that that lasted and, and, and established itself in, in an area and, and but didn't drive everything else out. It just became a new kind of participant in the, mm. the kind of culture of the area that made it sort of, you know, more interesting, sort of more diverse activities. Because like I say, there would have been a lot of, you know, sort of manufacturing and sort of mm. industrial types of activity, commerce types of activity around here. And then when that, that got shifted out and moved, then it's kind of interesting that these... But again, that that all those stories, uh, yeah, they, they seem otherworldly now because everyone's so aware of of what you can do with any kind of environment um, in terms of redeveloping it as, as places that people want to kind of live in, um, or, or you know, people that have a, a certain kind of uh, financial, uh, you know, kind of. Um, Life uh, can can, but I mean, you, you know, you just it would be impossible to randomly come across a, a space like this in in central London with these kind of characteristics and, and possibilities that wouldn't be snapped up, you know, before you even thought about it, or mm. you know, just to, just to be able to rent somewhere like this and just you know s survive quite hand to mouth, mm. making and existing and and. and, and and being engaged with things is just uh, I don't know I don't know if that's a kind of a, a, you know a, a, a romantic idea that's just not feasible anymore and perhaps it's you know sort of ties in with you know some of the things we've been thinking about about what and where a, a studio is and that, mm -hmm. I mean if I'm I mean I've, I've said it a, a number of times there was a point where I felt about coming here and having this rarefied space I started to find a little bit sort of difficult as if it was a... I, I, I'm, there are some practices where you really do need a certain kind of space and a certain kind of removal from other activities to be able to function. So I, I'm, I'm not, I mean, just for me personally and mm -hmm. the kind of practices that we, we have, tell me where they're kind of, you know, they're kind of multi-layered, there's bits of it that are collaborative, that are bits of it that are where you make a cross different spaces I started to find this quite unproductive mm -hmm. coming in mm. I, I found it quite cosy and yeah. and I, I and repetitive and I, I felt like I was just not really being challenged um, and it was I was escaping from something rather than engaging with things mm. and I just thought well you know when we talk about making work you know there's elements of it that are driven and propelled by the experience of being out and about and, yeah. and, and looking at things and and sometimes making or thinking about work when 
your other hand's doing something else, yeah. you know, like sort of your other job or your other responsibility or whatever it is. So I, I, I think I, it's good to be naive as well to some things because it allows you to sort of do an act of play again, doesn't it? It's kind of, it's like, and also it's kind of, I always think sometimes it's good to take some pressure off yourself, you know, because if you do something new, maybe I, I was, you know, I like to do, maybe I'm working on something, but then I do something on the side as like a little like fun thing that has no expectation, but maybe um, months down the line, I go, actually, that's quite interesting. And I, I think that's always the best thing when you, mm. when you do work is that you can, if you, if you think about it like that, um, and you, like you said, and you challenge yourself, um, you're kind of creating a bigger sort of like a internal universe of you, just yourself about what you like and, and you learn things every time, um, which reinforce things and you, like maybe sometimes it's bad, but then you can like learn to sort of like maybe do it again or do it differently. Um, I kind of appreciate that, appreciated that, um, like when, especially when I had the student at RCA and stuff about um, thinking, what does it even mean? When what's and when do I do a performance? Well, what's a performance? Does a performance have to be that I have, a, I have to um, send an invite to people when people have to see this performance, or like I, I, I said to. Um, one of the tutors on my second year, I've forgotten their name, bad, bad me, that when I was trying to move this really heavy fish tank on the on on the on the train, <laughs> I and I was, was, it, was it Malena? Malena, yeah. I was, that, I was in I was in front of you during that tutorial. Yeah. Oh yeah, she yeah, but she didn't like that at all. But I just remember I was taking this very heavy fish tank all across. I had to pick up in Essex, and I thought I could do it by myself, but then I forgot about steps and things. <laughs> so it's almost like I'll be I'll be struggling with it, and then almost like it's very I'd have to rely on the the kindness of strangers to to help me pick it up onto the train. And then when I'm about to get off, I'll try and do it myself. But then almost again, someone who's might you, it's almost it's, I have to admit it's like probably the best performance that no one ever saw because I'll be like with this fish tank, and I'm about to get off, and people like looking and then they have then someone unexpected you know some five foot stands up and says okay two one two three ah you know and then they go up to the stairs and there's the stairs and this woman's going to work and she's like do you need help i was like yes please I, you know and we're both sweating up and then she's like oh, okay and then she's going off to work you know it becomes this kind of like um and i thought that was great and when i finally got into uni i was like oh wow that was great but then no one saw it but that was like the, I felt like that wasn't, it wasn't a performance I meant to do, but I made people who wouldn't react to it react. And also yeah. people in business suits are just like, what are you doing? You know, and people start speaking to you when you've got like a trolley and you've got a massive fish tank this high and you're, you're covered <laughs> in sweat and you stink and you're panicking about how many stops and you're like, oh my God, this is a mistake. <laughs> Why have I decided to do this thing by myself? And then, you know, the public are starting to like, so, so what are you doing? What are you, what are you? And then like, oh, I'm an artist now. Like, really? Okay. So what, what, so what are you going to do with the fish tank? I was like, I'm not too sure yet. I'm just trying to get to like Kensington, not Kensington, uh, yeah, but Kensington at the moment. And then there's like this whole conversation, you know? Um, and that was like, that was almost like, almost, um, like I said, like a studio performance piece that was done in the public 
that um, so the studio became the end the end point the end point of, when I got it into the studio it was like it was, it was kind of but it wasn't on purpose mm. but it was just because I had to get it off um, free cycle you know <laughs> so you always stuck like you go to the, the the weirdest parts you know and I went to this woman's house and she already had a fish she had like three fish tanks and she's like this fish tank you can have and I was like wow okay and, I, and then she has a house and she has her own you know her own like um, aesthetic you know and then she's like do you want all of these fish bits and I was like no I don't want it for fish and then she's also trying to, you know, so it's like a really like, um, that, those type of interactions, you know, uh, well, I wish I could have documented it, but you know, you only find out when you're in it. Mm. But there's uh, sort of motivations as well. That's something that mm. I, I became kind of quite um, aware of um, in the last days of, of being in the studio here, I, I found myself making these very kind of rudimentary and, and, and funny little animations on the old little Nokia mm. 2210 or whatever that, that yeah. phone was. Because you could press the video and stop it, which I wish you could do on an iPhone actually. You could press it and stop it yeah. and press it and it would carry on running and it would be the same video file up to about 30, I think it was 20 seconds or something, mm. but you could make stop motion, 20 yeah. seconds stop. And I was just making these, because I was feeling a bit guilty about not being at home really and, yeah. and thinking I'll oh, send something funny and then so we can show it to the to our baby our very young son and they were all silly things where I'd put a, a, a ridiculous kind of yeah. nose on <laughs> and then I'd make the nose go up my head and yeah. back down again and then I'd, so I spent two hours doing these animations to send them you know a couple of miles down the road to amuse yeah. my you know toddler son and I've, I've had more enjoyment and intrigue about what I've been doing with the drawings and, and paintings and objects and things that are in the studio to, 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 to communicate mm. something visual and something interesting and then I've done the art, I've done, what's, where's the art because I've got no interest in, in finishing off those things that are the kind of tail end of that last show it just felt that so there was those motive I was more motivated by things that seemed to be these mm. different collisions outside of that mm. space so I thought and, and and started to be outside of the space more and then mm. got was just coming in the space to kind of just do those bits that could only be done on a, a table or yeah. somewhere where I could work uh, you know in a, a messy way or something mm. but I was thinking oh that's all of those things are sort of quite controllable if you think about them what I don't want to be doing is sitting in a space where it's not generating any ideas at all there's nothing that motivates me other than being in a being an artist in a studio and I think well that that's now starting to seem you know quite incongruous with this very very strong kind of intrigue and desire to make things and and and, and, and try to you know work in interesting and and um, pro provoking or provocative ways for myself, you know. Mm. So that was, it felt like the studio was somewhere else. It was, uh, I also know. thought like, because I've also yeah. watched your videos, uh, John, also think like also, because I've been moving around, I think I understood like the, the beauty of London in comparison, because I was in Copenhagen, for example, for a bit as well before I came back, um, is that London has so much it's like not it's it's not like a um, 
clean, it's clean in parts, but it has like weird things, it has um, information. And I realised when you're in the, when I was in Copenhagen, I was a little bit worried because actually the city's so perfect. It's almost, and also when I was in Hafen City in Hamburg, I really said to the, I said to the creator, I said, I think this is like my idea of hell because there's, <laughs> I said, there's actually no culture in this part where you've placed me in. There's just these like uh, buildings, you know? I was, I'm very lucky to have the opportunity. But, um, you know, uh, but, uh, you know. For all those curators out there listening, not work with Tamar in the future. But, no, because I was just like, there's nothing here, you know, there's yeah. nothing here. There's no, there's no bars, there's just like very expensive place, very ex big, tall buildings and like, you know, um, an opera house and it's all very like, you know, grand. But I was just like, actually, you know, it's very clean and there's like no sense of, um, atmosphere or scene in this area of Hamburg um, but when I come to London I know it's, it's, London is kind of starting to shift a bit but I kind of like the fact that when you go to different parts of London and you, you get a different and I like the I actually think I do kind of like the fact that our underground is kind of so mm. um, messy and loud you know, sometimes it really screams. And I really, I noticed that the other day when I came from Heathrow. Sometimes it's, it really screams and it's shaking and, and on the floor sticky because someone's just like, the Coca-Cola's gone down. And I was like, oh yeah, there's a lot of like, actually like um, visual information going on here that if you're in a perfect train that just moves like, silently, you know, and there's nothing and everyone's just perfect. You don't get as much like, but that's those collisions that we've often spoken yeah. quite a lot about, and I think we've we've got a shared. I mean, this is why it's you know it's sort of interesting having the opportunity to have this discussion here and all the stuff that we've been talking about between the the collision of this this lovely you know sofa here with the yeah. the kind of remnants of the the old sticky paint floor just on on the bricks there. But that kind of you know and you know your and our, our interest I suppose in the kind of collision of sometimes using um, older technology that's a, a little bit vulnerable or, or, or out of date or outmoded and, 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 and you know making it collide with, with perhaps you know um, other kinds of more contemporary and functioning mm. <laughs> technologies as, as, as well as the kind of interest in, in kind of material collisions as, as well you know something that seems extremely kind of you know uh, work you know it has a purpose it seems to function and there's this thing right next to it that's just out of date and, mm. and broken or, or, or dirty and London's a great city for that mm. because it, it seems to thrive on these collisions I, mm. I was I remember talking to some um, a group of people once about where work comes from and just saying I was on a train one night and it was late but I'd worked late it's not like I'd been out for a drink so I was on the train late and had that feeling of being out of kilter with a lot of other people on the train because it, it felt like it was the train coming home after a night out and you know people were eating you know fast food and, and, and there's lots of groups of people chatting and I was sitting there and trying to hide behind the book that was in my bag and it happened to be a uh, it was a T.S. Eliot um, book. I was just reading T.S. <laughs> poetry, and I was uh, I was reading you know some of this imagery of the, of the war and mud and blood and trilling sort of wire you know this, mm. this war imagery, 
And I just dipped my book a bit and this guy opposite me had passed out drunk with a, a kebab and he was in white shirt and tie and he'd taken his jacket off. The kebab had rolled down his shirt and there's all this tomato sauce and chilli sauce and I just... And then I just picked the book back up and started reading it. And as I started to then read further these descriptions of, of the trenches and, and you know, blood, and, and it was all kebab, and, and, and it was, all of the imagery was this man opposite me. It was, it had been removed, and so I was trying to hide in this kind of rarefied world of you know, modernist poetry. And then right next to me, the smell and the presence and the fact that he was starting to, to you know, slide on his seat and I thought, oh, he's going to be in my lap any minute. Mm. But then that ended up being a kind of a provocation for a work that reminded me of a, a little bit of video footage that we'd made once as a joke of some action man feet going through a pit of bread with some uh, tomato ketchup on it. And, and, and you think that that these things come out of the you know you're trying to hide away from the world and think about the world through the the context of, of work or or something that escapes it and then right opposite it you've got the sort of cutting edge of the experience of living in a city working hard and and socializing and eating your dinner on the train and falling asleep and, uh, and, and yeah, it's like reality. they're clashing and it's you, you get fascinated by because then they get kind of you can't separate them then, you can't remove, mm. you know, so th those, those words um, are completely embroiled in that, that kind of visual referent and that's think, about being that's, out, isn't it? And about, yeah, and I think that's like the beauty of poetry or, or music, you know, when you listen to a certain album and you listen to younger, it can transport you sometimes, yeah. you know. You, it's kind of good, I always think like it's good when some albums, dependent on what, what's happening, you listen to an album, or you know, you read something and it sort of reminds you of something. I think that's when you know it's kind of. I think that's when I think I, I really like it. Or know it's kind of powerful because you know, it's like when I listen to Tenacious D, I don't listen to them too much. But when I, if I do, it does transport me to a very weird, like immature, sort of very much like this is a thing we thought was like for some short period, like the Bible, even though it's just completely like ridiculous lyrics and it's just like ch quite cheesy comedy cheesy <laughs> nothing you know kind of cool but not too cool but like just comedy cheesy fun lyrics and then it just transports you to being in a park with when you when you still drank wkd because you know you're like oh yeah i haven't really developed understanding drinking yet so it's blue and it tastes like blueberries i'm getting that you know, and then you're throwing out blue sick, and you're, and you're, and you're you know, someone's patting you on the back, you know, or, or, your, or your girlfriend's rolled out of the taxi and she's just puking up everywhere. And then you're just like, you know, and then I'm like, oh yeah, that's what Tenacious D is, kind of like a comedy of us, you know. We'd all go to the park and everyone, there's like the, 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 the most time all of us drank so like extensively, like someone would drink, oh yeah, I've stolen a bottle of vodka from my dad. And they'll drink the whole bottle. So it's like everyone's kind of crazy and kind of comical and everyone's throwing up and pissing themselves. And that is why I feel like Tenacious D is. <laughs> you know? So it's like kind of like you said about the visual thing, but I don't listen to them anymore. And no one ever gets drunk like that. Like that time, you know? When everyone, you know, when everyone tried to get like really drunk. Strongbows, K-Sider, you know? <laughs> Do you think, I mean, I think about your, your work, especially the material that you gather, 
can you have the same relationship to objects and kind of th material things as you do with something like Tenacious D? Do you have, is it a similar relationship to, to things? Do you think you can have that? So, so you, you find, say, saying Tenacious D is very transportative and it yeah. reminds you of a very particular moment in your life and it's very yeah. evocative of those things. Yeah. Um, but when I think of your work, you're, you're gathering physical material that, yeah. has, that has a history. Yeah. And not necessarily that material that you gather, but maybe you have objects in your life that can do the same. And I'm yeah. wondering if you have the same relationship to, to objects, or yeah, something or can yeah. an object be as transportative or as evocative of something as music for you? Or as, or, or yeah, I well, guess I'm just curious. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. But um, I also like, I, uh, when I think about, well, I, d I, didn't, I didn't really, it depends on what time period. Because actually, I was—I remember at university, I was just kind of interested in finding like, like things I I thought were like um, interesting as like a material, or I'd find I became a bit of a—I suppose if I don't have my studio, but my the place where I used mm. to live, I suppose I became a bit of a hoarder quite quickly. Um, <laughs> so and then you know and my and that, when I lived became. You know, I, I would collect, like, if I found lots of wire, I'd be, like, thinking of something, like, oh, this would be great to use because it's not brand new wire. This wire's been out in the rain for, like, um, like I don't know, eight months, and some of it's rusted, some of it's not rusted, and you can't really get that with, like, brand new polished wire. Um, and I used to think about the... And it's also, like... I kind of, when like John was mentioned in the table and he said he loved to see how the holes had indentations and that showed his history about working that place. I kind of like an object that has some element of, um, it's been used or there's something I'm not too sure about yet. And I, and I, and I because I started looking to sort of um, post-uni into films, mm. I, liked, I liked kind of films and like narratives so I, I kind of started thinking about, oh yeah, how can I just capture it like one moment, but it's got a life that like, it, you know, even if it gets destroyed or it gets thrown away, it's just like um, a revitalizing of that object. Like maybe it was forgotten and then you revitalize it and it has like a new um, life again mm. as something else. And I don't know what it was before. And then sometimes I don't know what it's going to be like in the future. Mm. It's kind of like I just captured it in that sort of like like a photograph of like I trans I just transported it into something for a short amount of time, and I tried to and it's almost like a, almost like a, a material shrine, but a material shrine maybe to like history or whatever. Where depending on where I found it or thinking about that, but um, I just think it is like a um, a materialist a material shrine, but of the object. Um, and sometimes, depending on where I am, like when I was in, um, like when I was in Zimbabwe, all of those objects was influenced by the visuals in Zimbabwe, and the and the way like uh, lots of people had markets, uh, like but not there's not markets like in England where you have a proper stall. They would have like a cloth, and they would just like have like tomatoes from the garden and like um, like two penny sweets just in a beautiful pattern on, on just on a cloth, you know? And it, the two penny sweets don't cost much, but they just try to make it beautiful because there's other people who have sweets. So you have to stand mm. out. 
So they were like, oh, how can I make my, uh, like they would have um, belts and they would wrap it up in like eights and then they would tell it up and make a pyramid so they could like stick out against the guy who didn't make the pyramid of belts. And when I was walking around, I was just thinking about, oh wow, this is actually kind of like, everyone's doing an installation. How can I um, like be influenced by, you know, stacking tomatoes into triangles or trying to make something that's kind of cheap, very beautiful. So um, when I did the, like, the exhibition in London, I was just thinking about how can I make something the most beautiful it can be. It doesn't have to be expensive, it doesn't have to be bronze, but how can I make it like look as like, beautiful, or, um, not decorative, but almost like decorative in their manner of like decoration. Um, and also because of the country, they all paid with like electronic, uh, they didn't have any cash, so it was all like, electronic yeah. mobile phone things mm -hmm. so you get these very like low culture like some just got their rug and just put anything on it onions whatever you had in your garden maybe you had like 10 shirts you just fling it but you have to you can't fling it you have to think hey well, this is just there uh, maybe you have to make a thing and make a weird sort of um forks on the stick and then put them up and make them look really cool so they blow in the winds you know so people can like I'm better than the person two doors down from me who's also got t-shirts. So that's what I was most influenced by. And then like, um, I was supposed to do research about like Zimbabwe, but that I was more interested about um, that element. But, um, and then I just keep on trying to do, that's what I've been keep on trying to do, like with the caravan in, um, in Germany, which I just did, I, uh, I, um, I, I got cardboard and covered all inside and I did loads of symbols inside and I made little sculptures and I carried these big stones into the caravan because I was trying to make this sort of like um, a little um, weird shrine or a little like um, acknowledgement of this very like ugly space because it was the last space in Hafen City. So I took the plants, I cut bits of the plants and I took them um, inside. Um, and I was like thinking about making, like trying to make into a perfume as well, like weed perfume, you know, like actual weeds from the ground and try and like distill them or something. Um, and just be like, so, and then, the, you know, when the rich people are like, what are you doing? And you're just like, they look in, they're just like, ah. <laughs> you know, what, what is this? You've just got rocks everywhere. And you've got this. I was like, but it's, it's all from like this area that you hate. <laughs> all of this stuff you hate is in here. Like, ex like, like example, you know, like um, put to the number 10 or 11. So yeah. That's like kind of what I'm interested in. Mm. And like I learned a lot, a lot of that from, um, I had a really good conversation with John during RCA about things like that, about how you do just investigations or just thinking a bit independently. I think really like I got um, really influenced by John as a tutor about trying to like um, just think about what you can do, because I think sometimes I'd be like, you know, you could, you know, thinking about how can I challenge my practice, you know? Mm. So I do kind of try and just, sometimes it's like, instead of like doing, you know, because sometimes 
I could just be like doing the same thing. But I do try and think like, oh yeah, I've kind of done that. Like maybe I'll do something that I might sweat and I hate and I think it's going to be absolutely <laughs> crap, you know? <laughs> and then sometimes it just works out, but all the way through, you know? And on the last day when it's the show, and they're like, Tammy, you need to stand by your work. I'm like, oh no, I'm so t- I've had such a like roller coaster and I thought it was going to be so bad, but it turned out all right. But I don't want to talk to anyone <laughs> because they don't under- they won't understand it really. Um, well, there's a little bit of show that you mentioned. Yeah. There was, I don't know if this is a, a new thing, but there was a collaborative element where you perform music with your brother. I was going to perform music with my brother, but my brother was sick, actually. Oh, no. So I... But, but the, the... You you thought you were going to do it. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. But he was in the hospital at the time. But like the collaborative... Because... My brother's autistic and he's like heavily autistic and he was like really sick and um but I wanted he want he wrote um he always want he loved he's born in the eighties so he's he loves um drama and like um <laughs> things over the top mm. and he's written like uh he wrote a hundred lyrics a hundred lyrics over time of love songs eighties based love songs. <laughs> And I was like, and his name's Lawazi, and I was like, Lawazi, like, we should do something with these songs. And he was like, no. And then I was trying to convince him, like, oh, we should write songs for this, but he, he wasn't interested. And because he was too sick at that time, when I went to, when I was in Africa though, um, I left all of his lyrics, I printed them off because he doesn't want to come to Africa. I printed all of these like 80s like love ballads like Celine Dion, you know, like over the top, like you know, these these ballads. He writes ballads like over the top, you know. And I was like, okay, and I spoke to the the the, the, the gallery, the goings the gallery, and I was like, hey, can I like leave all of the, like print them all off and I put them in like a really cheap folder? I was like, can you put this in your like collection? And they're like, they're, like store it, and they're like, yeah, okay. And that was lucky because I was like, my brother's never going to go there, but all of his like love songs that are very like, you know, you know, I don't know what's this like, love won't like tear me away, la la la, you know, like really like, you know, over the top are now stored in Zimbabwe, <laughs> you know, on a shelf somewhere, a hundred love songs by someone that no recorded music really of him. But just something he did in his bedroom he's just been doing in his bedroom and i thought that was kind of like a slightly funny thing mm. to do just to like not 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 to put my work in there because they're like oh yeah you can leave one work in there you know and i did an exhibition there and they were like thinking that maybe i'd leave this my exhibition in there and i give them a book and like these are just love songs for my brother can you put that in there you know and yeah um, and I thought that was kind of interesting as like a, because that whole trip was about doing research and like finding out about history and also finding out about my family. But then I thought actually, my brother can't come. So I'll just like plonk it in there. Mm. Um, and then the performance at Zabladovic's, that was just, um, what I really, uh, I t- no one liked it though. None of the gallery liked it. <laughs> I could, so they hated it. They didn't really like any of my ideas either. I wanted to do a gong bath and they said, they, the woman was like, mm. I was like, yeah, I'd like everyone to like, like because it's underneath a church, it's in a chapel. And I was like, really like, I would like to do some gong baths and do some sort of sound because of the acoustics. 
And I'm like, hmm. And then, like, next year, you know, everyone's doing gongs. You know, Grace Wells <laughs> Bonham's doing a gong at the thing. And I was like, why did you... I wanted to do a gong, but you said I was, like, crazy. You know, I was like, it'll be kind of weird, you know? Like, we play with lights and we do gongs and I could read out some of because my brother can do it. He's going to read out a bit of his lyrics, mm. but in a very, like, serious way, you know? Very serious, these very, like, over-the-top, like... Darling, can you not like break my heart? Da, da, da. In a very like, I'm going to be serious, a serious like, <laughs> serious poet way, and I thought it'd be quite like interesting. Um, but instead, I just did a, a I did a, um, I just did a sound performance um, with, with a few friends, and the guy who owned the church, he came down because one of my friends was singing really beautifully at one point, and then when I started playing, he left. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that is somewhere I think that's kind of good but and also like I was just experimenting but yeah mm. I think the reason the reason I bring it up um, mm. is for just the idea of collaboration because I know you both mm. there's a lot of crossover with both mm. of, both of your art practices and I just I wondered what your yeah how you how you think or what you think about collaboration in terms of music, musically artistically whether that's the same thing or yeah, and how you both manage that and think about that in terms of your art practices. It opens, it opens perspectives up that, mm. that sometimes you just don't inhabit yourself. And I think there's that, that kind of to in and fro in between, you know, the people that you, you work with or, you know, you work collaboratively with. I find really kind of just stimulating on so many levels because sometimes you have a kind of clear idea about something oh yeah this and then someone will say something that, that that just gets in the way of that kind of trajectory and you think oh really and then and then you you have to kind of just position yourself to look at it and think oh I, I just wouldn't have thought of that that's really interesting and or, or it's, a, it's, it's a kind of exchange of skills as well sometimes you know it's, a good friend of mine I worked down in Bristol with and we've been working together for years he's very sort of technically minded and this is I love working with him because sometimes I'll say something and he'll just translate that in, in, in quite a kind of technical way and think that's just amazing it's kind of taking it off somewhere that on some levels I'm not sure but on another level I think that's oh wow I just didn't realise you could make make that happen you know because it's and I think that's really I mean I mean, being back here is, is kind of strange because the thing I'm doing with this guy in Bristol is is uh, translating some drawings of, of Alan's and that we that Jake and I. Um, well, well, there was so many so much stuff to remove when he when he passed away, um, and I just said, you know, we, we can't keep everything. And there's so many so many of them were just little working drawings, like drawers full of these kind of A4 just sort of repeated sort of composition things that you know you if you're an artist you look and think oh yeah of course their value is 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 you know it's an archive of of, of thought working mm -hmm. through ideas and compositions and stuff but they're they're working drawings and there's thousands of them and and it's 30 plus years worth of you know what do you what do you keep what don't you so it, the fact that i'm using them with this thing that Rick in Bristol, where we can kind of translate them into sounds and, and, and words and different things through this kind of piece of constructed um, software that reads things away. It's kind of uh, interesting kind of idea of collaboration. Um, 
Oh, that's what it's for, to sort of like document that, but in a sound That's where they started, yeah. So it's those, these kind of, you know, what do you do with these drawings? And some were kind of erased and they, they effectively looked like blank pieces of paper, but once to hold them up a bit, you could see the remains of these kind of drawings and forms. And some of them were just impressions, you know, from underneath where something that, you know, done in charcoal was to, yeah. would kind of transferred onto a piece of paper and it was a kind of echo sort of ghost almost of a, a composition or an idea or a working kind of pro process but there's the history element again yeah i mean it? again it's just just um, but that's a, again a collision of things that have a certain quality or a certain personal resonance that mm. and then you know alan was a great collaborator he was very generous and loved working with people and the idea that you know um these these things that would have had a certain kind of you know function or, or value for him which in some sense for all of us would be things that we wouldn't be too precious about they just well, I can't work that, that it served its purpose it goes in the bin or I just recycle it or paint over it and, and reuse it that, that that they're generating kind of sounds and, and, mm. and rhythms and something that's almost beginning to uh, you know, there's bits of it that you can almost force into something that begins to kind of function as a, a, a piece of you know, music almost because it's mm. quite rhythmic and then there's other things where it becomes almost completely deconstructed into like a soundscape of, of mm. noises and clicks and little kind of responses to changes in colour or, or movement but so that that kind of collaboration so collaborating with someone that's no longer with us and collaborating yeah. with a and um, I mean, it's. I mean, you're, we've always talked about ritual. I mean, many of the things that you've been talking about are kind of highly ritualised. You know, you kind of make meaning just by what well, I've carried these stones in here and placed them on top of this cardboard that I found mm. around the corner, and, mm. and and the act of doing that and yeah, I was sweating all I was sweating all night. Yeah, <laughs> I was, and then it's turned dark, and the cavern had no electricity, so I, knew, I had no idea where I was placing them. But I, it's, it's the, and then I had to tell my brain like, I can't leave now. Because it's, it's kind of nearly done. Yeah. If I go home now, then I have to do it tomorrow. But if I go and finish it, then I can go home smelly and, and like, yes, you know, and but fall that, asleep. But that becomes, the, yeah. in part, that becomes a kind of meaning yeah. of these things when you engage with them, these, these kind of activities, some that you don't see at all because yeah. you don't see the, the guy struggling with the, the fish tank on the tube. And then... Yeah. But then there's, you know, something in, you know, there in front of you that's that's got from one place to another and it seems incongruous yeah. and you're kind of curious and then perhaps, you know, part of the work is in the telling of the work yeah. or the understanding through a secondary thing of, you know, that someone else says, oh, yeah, he carried that all around the tube, silly idiot. Yeah. You know, well, killed himself. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so, so it's a bit like um, a me to you type of um, what they, the what? Chuckle Brothers. Chuckle Brothers. It's kind of like sometimes you in an installation or in work you get yourself in a chuckle brother situation when you're doing something like when I started drawing symbols inside the caravan based on adverts little adverts so I got all of the symbols from like um, as many you know symbols as I could from like a Toyota to like um, Adidas to Nike to McDonald's and everything and then I started drawing I drew one. And it was completely like clean and so the, I covered the whole place in, in cardboard, which is also back pain. Never going to do that again, because actually it's quite difficult because I had to get all this cardboard, I had to dunk it in water, because everyone can see me, 
that's also what I didn't like about it. And like, Ellen was like, oh, Tammy, you can, you should stay there because you know you're having so much life here. And I was like, but I feel so naked because I, I don't know who's seeing me. And someone keeps throwing rocks through the window. So I'm like dunking this cardboard in the water, and I take it out, and then like it all peels off into like layers, and I peel it off, and then I've got this thing with like like wall paste glue, and wall paste, and then I stick it on. And then I've also got chicken wire if I want to do a curve, you know, and I've got like wooden bits if I want to change like the, I don't want it to just to be like just a caravan, but I want it to be kind of like weird inside, like almost like a, a, a well or something kind of abstract. But I'm kind of doing this, so all inside it's just covered in cardboard, like cardboard wallpaper everywhere. And then I was like, oh yeah, it'd be interesting to cover it in signs of like industrial things. And, and then I did one or two, and then I looked back and I looked actually at the size of, that wall and then I turned to that one and I turned to that one and I was like oh no and I looked I was like actually this is gonna take me hours <laughs> but now I've started you know I can't now just like I can't rub it out because I did it in like a, a sort of an oily based uh, black uh, pencil and I was like oh no and then I was like okay and then one of the people from the gallery came and she, she was I think she's just gonna tell me like if I um that they're about to go or something. It's in the summer, and then I came out, and I was just covered in sweat. I was basically naked, and it was like summer, and there was like a greenhouse in there. I had like a, a like a towel around here, and I had nothing else on, and I had this these pencils that I had to keep on run to the art shop because I didn't know how many to buy. I kept on I was like, oh yeah, it's fifteen will do, fifteen pencils, and they're big ones. Uh, but then I, then they would all be gone. And then I'll be like, oh no, I need to go back to the art shop. And then I'll put on some shorts and I'll be like cycling around and I'll go to the art shop and I'll come back and I'll buy all the black pencils again. And then I'll go off and then sometimes they'll run out and be like, when are you going to get them back? You know, and then I, you know, so that's, that's the, the, the chuckle brother madness, you know? <laughs> because you started yourself in something that you just, you regretted. But actually it looked good once it was done. And that's what I knew. But I was like, this is like 10 hours or plus 15 hours, 20 hours, I don't know, worth of also looking at the, the, the symbol of actually, and you realise you pick quite complicated symbols. Some of them are quite like, um, is it Peugeot? Is it Peugeot the one that's sort of like Griffin? Fuck the Griffin, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is such a complicated symbol to draw quite, it's not quick. And I, now I was doing this symbol and then I look at the other ones and I'm like, actually, some of these are actually super complicated. And I was like, I want to do the McDonald's one again. But I was like, no, you can't. You've used McDonald's one at the beginning. So I can't use multiple. I didn't want to use the same symbol more than once, you know. But that's when activity yeah. becomes a thing, isn't it? It's like yeah. that, that, you know, becoming more focused on the activity rather than this idea of a kind of object that's somewhere in the future, the resolution of it all. It's much more... I mean, I still get, I, I, I don't know if, if you two are the same, but I, I really, I've always enjoyed watching people draw. It, it, it's just a sort of weird sort of tingle. Like if I see someone, it's my own children drawing or any sort of different sort of um, kind of experiences in art teaching and sort of watching people draw in a life room or just watching people, you know, working in their studio. There's something about seeing this thing that's so exciting as it's happening mm -hmm. that sometimes is so much more interesting than the, the, the finished thing. I suppose mm -hmm. it's because it's that idea of 
of, of becoming, you're watching, you're thinking, I'm really not sure where this is going. Mm -hmm. and, and, and you feel like you'll participate in it as if you get a chance to finish a bit of it off yeah. on your own terms. Mm -hmm. and, and then you feel like you're involved in it. So there's something about an idea of, of activity. Mm -hmm. I mean, as an artist, I think that's something that I, I, I relish. It's the, the activity. You know, sometimes there's other bits of it where you, you feel so distant from it you think oh it's just the, the, all of that thinking and the kind of you know engagement when you're in the midst of it trying to make mm. something you know it could, valuable of, with your time and your activity and something that has a kind of meaning and is responding to the things around you and feels like it's connecting mm. you know the world and conversations together in its in a very peculiar way because yeah. you're the only person covering a um, you know, a caravan in, in old cardboard and writing or struggling to do a Peugeot symbol on it. I mean, you know, yeah. the, the kind of idiosyncrasies of the, the yeah. things that you may be doing that maybe no one else in the world at this moment in time is doing because <laughs> it's, it's such an odd sort of set it's, of collisions. It's very interesting when they, you know, everyone's done very much, in, you know, kind of a more traditional set of work and you're the only, like... So sometimes I find that one quite difficult when you're the only one doing this sort of weird work and then you have a tour of, of 60 year olds or 70 year olds coming along and they appear and you're kind of like what are you doing and then you have to, and then they and you're trying to explain but they don't really understand it but that's the bit I always find kind of difficult when I'm not sure if they if they can well, maybe I'll blame you. <laughs> nah, I'm joking, I'm joking, John. Is, is, is it because, though, because we're talking yeah. about space, space within an environment or, or a thing in the space right. that we can inhabit and then we can kind of create the, the rest of the work or the rest of the thing in our minds. And I feel like what the situation that you're talking about is these people are coming, so what's this then? And you think you've, you feel like you've got to give them something absolute rather than probably just answering that with another question. Yeah. So what's that about? Well, what do you want? Like you know, well, what, what, what would you want it to be about? And then it kind of puts them on the back foot again, and kind of you know, deepen in the mystery of something rather than give. And I think that is, might be why you feel anxious, or at least I do, definitely. Mm. So what's that about? Because you feel like it's got to be well. This is this is it. This is exactly what it is. See you later. Yeah. And it's like it's similar with you, John. Actually, I remember you saying it at college when someone says, "What do you paint?" You're like, "Well, I paint paper." Yeah. And then like. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, uh, <laughs> like, oh no! <laughs> and then and then puts them on the back foot, and it's that. Yeah, it's it's kind of taking taking control actually again, because because what you're making there's there's space within it, it's deep in the mystery of something, it's asking questions, and I feel like yeah, you can feel quite quite anxious. Well, at least I I definitely do, because you feel like you've got to give something absolute, but actually. I, that's, I think that's not that probably not the point. Well, that becomes a convention, doesn't it? That yeah. you can actually kind of right. consolidate something into, you know, some, sort of something singular. And of course, all of the things that we're talking about, are, again, with you know, not one to repeat myself, but there, there's a whole kind of set of odd collisions that come from all over the place. Some of which you can recognise, like yeah. say the poetry on the train and the mm. manis kebab. But there's other things that will be there that that you can't quickly identify. They've got in there left or right of your eye or your ear or whatever it is, and they're in there. And, yeah. and it's not, it's, sometimes it's more interesting just to talk about the activity and mm. sort of, and, and then people come along with you because they, you, you know, you tell them a story of the activity rather than, I mean, I, that was a little, 
yeah, kind of provocation I used yeah. to use at college sometimes. If, if someone said it in that way, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. what do you paint? Oh, I, I paint paper, or I paint wood, yeah. or I paint canvas. Because you think, well, that's, that is an absolute truthful answer mm. to that question. Yeah. In some senses, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. But it's but and what you're asking me is something something else. But yeah. you still want as, an answer as simple as that. Yeah. But I can't give you an answer that simple. Yeah. yeah well, I, I just can't because there's too many strange things some of which I can understand yeah. and, and locate and pinpoint mm. and other things I can't because they'll be part of like you know when mm. you like looking at and you say well there's a bit of wire then part of it's a bit rusty and, part, yeah. and you can say well I can tell you it's wire yeah, and I can tell you I found it on the street yeah. I've got no long idea how long it's been out there I've got no idea why it's bent in that shape I've got no idea why it's all been left in this particular spot on this particular so there's all these things but I'm interested because I'm interested in certain qualities yeah. that I can see and point to mm. but then there's something else there's, there's a nice there's a nice quote that I often um, use um, in, in both talking about my own work and, and in teaching when it, and it's, it's a quote about objects where it talks about objects that exceed their kind of their function or their use um, and they have this irrational residue as if something's you know, I can see, you know, I've got this, I can see that thing there, <laughs> I can hear it, and it's a cup, and, but there's some other thing about it that seems to exceed what it is as a cup and what was just in it, and it's, I, it's irrational, and it's that residue. Yeah. Where there's a word work, for that. And it's, it's like... There's a, Karen, Karen Barad is a physicist, she calls it intra-action. Right. Yeah. That's what, just to let, yeah. just saying, because that's what she says, that when... You know, when you have, when you see a cheeseburger on the side of a bus, there's no actual real cheeseburger there, is there? Yeah. So it's like an interaction of an of a thing that you are not actually physically aware of. You get a bit with COVID, actually, yeah. a bit sometimes. The scare of COVID, you know, we don't actually see it. It's oh, we don't even really know what. You know, it's not actually. It's an invisible enemy almost. Yeah. You just like you tell you see the news. The news says the word, but we have never actually seen or really, you know, COVID's almost like a, a, a very. It's almost it's very conceptual yeah. for our minds to like just to. There's not a. There's no. But then this collective things, perhaps later. Yeah. But I, I, I suppose what I was thinking about more was the idea that mm. the irrational residue there is 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 for three yeah. of us. We each have our own irrational residue to any kind of encounter that again may be formed by some things we can identify and some things we can't and then as artists we we start to use that 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 thing that we we think we see or we think we hear or we we think we kind of feel or, or can um experience but again you can't it's it's, it's sort of pointless trying to distill it down to, to one thing because it removes the the kind of the interest in it you know, it mm. really does kind of kind of strip out the, the kind of problem. And once mm. the problem's not there, then you're just left with the mm. solution. And most solutions are invisible, mm. aren't they? That you don't see them because they've they've solved the problem. Mm. And it's it's more um, many of the times, you know, that distinction between when you're designing something, you're actually working towards a resolution. With mm. we we we're spinning plates. We're trying to keep a kind of mm. an interest or a drama or a mm. Uh, a possibility that you can only see in this situation mm. you know uh, mm. it's only, and it might only be there for a minute in something performative mm. or something that's sort of uh, yeah. kind of temporal in that way um, or it might be something that gets kind of fixed 
mm. in in another kind of sense. But um, I think that's a good analogy, though. In terms of spinning plates, you could you know spinning all these plates. I can tell you what that plate is. Yeah. That singular plate as as a part of these this kind of complex whole that I'm juggling. But then to then, oh, yeah. I don't. I don't think I try to justify. I think with what you're trying. To, I'm curious about what you're saying. I'd normally just fill my head with things, and then I do something. Because it's almost like that's what I seem to have got into a thing where people just like to tell me history and information quite a lot. When I get to when I do a piece, <laughs> when I went to Lithuania, I went there and they were just telling me everything about Lithuania, <laughs> and then I was just like, whoa. And then I go into, you know, and then I go into a train wagon and, uh, and then they're just like, make something. And I'm just like, whoa. And then it becomes almost like, there is an invest, it is kind of an, yeah, investigations. But I'm kind of a bit tired of investigating. Like, I was interested in sort of like hidden histories and stuff, but hidden histories doesn't have to be um, so personal. And it's not the only option, but I think actually what you're saying about like, um, I wish I tried to do it sometimes. I always want to like not tell them anything, but the creators get like panicky and they, they really want to know everything because they say they have to tell other people. So I just tell them what I've just been doing. And then they just like, you know, then they come up with their own little thing and then they, that becomes the true story of the work. And then I'm just like, okay, whatever. It's like really like there's the show from Zabladovics as well. It is about this, about market stores, and it was about, and I just told them, you know, market stores, I told them I was interested in, in the economy because they no one had cash, so everyone had to improvise, and everyone who had no money had to come to the streets, you know. But actually, there's also another hidden, there's hidden references, but they didn't like them, you know. I told them it, but they didn't like it. Then I, so my narrative becomes like that. It's like also, it's, it's kind of weirdly influenced by um, the, the Meat Puppets, Two album. Yeah. So a lot of the things I named it after are from the Meat Puppets Two album. And I actually like that sort of weird sort of like dang like a bit of like a sort of almost in tune, out of tune guitar because I was listening to it when I was making and putting it together. I was like, yeah, kind of like kind of good pop songs, but kind of like bads and kind of like that weird like edge between good and bad. That's how I that's the mood. Me, that's the mood I wanted that exhibition to have. But when I told them that, you know, they didn't, they didn't like that, so they didn't mention it, you know. So, it's, uh, you know, I just thought it was like, uh, it's, it's quite funny how much, um, you know, also the creators have, um, they, they, they run from you. And also for this, the last one I just did, I didn't really want to say anything. So I tried not to say, I just said it's called turmeric. And, and I just did stuff, but they really wanted me to talk about the history of like um, Hatton City and about trade and about all this stuff. And I said, I'm just gonna do something here about the area and urban development. And this used to be a trade place and I'm more interested in this area. Everything's gonna be based around this area. You know, I'm only gonna give you so much this time because I'm starting to get a little bit wiser now <laughs> that I don't really wanna tell you too much. And I start to get a little bit, um, yeah, I just get a bit disheartened sometimes with the art world because I just sometimes, I feel like I'm trying to tell them something, but they're just not, 
Um, That's the worst. The work's job is to do that, though, isn't it? Sometimes, yeah, so sometimes you can just say really well. Okay, I've, I've I've visited here, or I've been involved in this, or I've, I've done this, and then, yeah. and, and then you sort of point towards this thing. So, well, that that's kind of really. If I could completely articulate, I wouldn't be bothering yeah, you walking maybe. around naked in a towel, humping stones in the. Yeah. I, I wouldn't do any of that. I would yeah. just tell you, yeah. and it would all. But there's a there's a bit where whatever I engage with, or whatever I, you know, whatever set of connections I make. They they have to be articulated through this action, this process, this thinking through making, yeah. you know, this kind of act of description that can only be visual. Because if mm. I, I if I say it's an orange, and then you see the, the visual description that mm. is a sort of orangey, but it's detoured into something else, and that but that's it. That's the bit I can't say. I can mm. tell you it's this to that point, and then there you go. That just extends mm. through this like, this visual language or this thing that you I, can well, experience or oh, material. Sorry, that's right. <laughs> well, interestingly, because you you both kind of kind of curated shows, and you both like House Dimplex for you, um, mm. and you mentioned Thirty Nine, which mm. this space was once upon a time, and you talk about curation, and um, we were talking a bit before about how you used to go about your shows, John. And, mm how you'd have kind of some really well-known artists and you'd have Gary the Builder from down the road and um, there'd be a sense of kind of, kind of a, that hierarchy that was kind of just messed, messed with or whatever. But I think I'm asking this because, you know, you mentioned like curation, Temu, and your kind of, your, your troubles with that. And obviously when you're, when you're kind of putting shows together and you're organising things, um, I kind of wonder how you both went about kind of organising shows and curating them yourself. Um, that kind of hopefully goes against all of the bad stuff that you've, <laughs> that you've experienced and, and how you go about doing those things. Um, if you don't, yeah, well, correct. Well, also, I'm going to do a house Dimplex I'm going to do next year, by the way. Well, maybe we should d describe yeah. what house Dimplex is first. Oh, uh, yeah, well, it was done with Erin. Actually, no, well, actually, no, I did some events at RCA first because Erin hadn't moved in and I was doing music events in the art bar at RCA. And that came under the name of House Display? I think I called it Metal Metal. Metal Metal, because they sounded kind of similar. And I just played, I just liked it, Metal Metal. And then it turned into House Dimplex because I had a lot of um, Dimplex heaters and I thought it's like housewarming. And we decided that when Aaron and Tom moved in and then it became House Dimplex because this is a housewarming. But um, yeah, first of all, I just wanted to like, I knew some bands and I met um, someone, uh, Bru you know, um, Bruno Wizard in Camden and I became friends with him and he was like a 1970s punk from the band The Homosexuals because they didn't want to be signed to any record labels and he'd been, just been, he'd always been a punk and I was like, wow, like that's kind of interesting because uh, sometimes when I was in RCA, I felt like, of course everyone, I, actually I did like everyone actually, Pe people were nice, but I just felt like it just needed like a little bit of like, you know, something else. Um, and then I knew a lot of these young kids around my area who were playing this sort of like um, punk, uh, punk rap thing. And then I thought, actually, I just organised an event and the first, and also I was playing around with improvisation with the Cactus Band as well. I'd started with some other artists in RCA. And the whole idea with that was just improvisation. 
Um, and we had lots of artists from different courses and we tried to use weird instruments and it was just like playing around, trying to get, you know, but my, my, my stepdad went to art school in, I don't know where he went to art school, not art school, went to drama school. And I was just, you know, and he said like, I always kind of like the idea of these sort of um, interesting once in a lifetime performances, you know? You have a venue that you can book easily. You have all these people you as well, John, said like you should be trying to be doing more things at the RCA. It's only two years as well. So I was just trying to just like really just show like London isn't just, you know, everyone, you know, having a polite drink and going home at 10, you know, because that's what Kensington was a little bit like. You know, they always, you know, it's be like, hey, and they're like, oh, we're having a little polite drink. Um, and then we're going to bed. Like, what the fuck's wrong with you? Uh, you know. <laughs> so I was like, I've got to organise these events with Why all these mad cats. Do blue vomiting with me in the <laughs> Exactly, exactly. I want to do some, um, some, you know, me to you sort of vomit back and forth. You know, that's the, that's my ideal performance. And I call it the, the real big splash. You know. <laughs> That's that's my goal. I just need to find like like uh, that's this is it's like a child in chocolate factory. I'm looking for that one person, you know, who can, who can I can do that with. But um, that was that was it. And then uh, um, when Aaron moved into my place because I had a studio in Natonstone. Was Erin Hughes? Erin Hughes, she's lovely. Erin Hughes and Tom Kanyak. Um, when they moved into my place, we also Erin, who's very very talented and is very organised, organised us. <laughs> into turning our studio into like, into like doing some performances. And we did like one there, and then we did one in, um, I did, and then I did an event in the art bar um, with some other artists and other, other musicians I found. Um, um, and then I wanted to do one and the whole point of that was just trying to show just different scenes in London, the, the, mm. kids, who, the kids who didn't get into art school, basically. Um, and then I wanted to do one this year, but I wasn't back, so I'm going to do it next year. So I did advertise for like doing the scene thing, but I wanted to do something a little bit more ambitious, but I was away too long. Mm. But I always just felt it like it's just a way just to... Maybe I'm not, I just like the idea of just going to someone, you're not quite sure how it's going to turn out because people might collaborate or people might do something or someone might do something you didn't write down. And it was just like, a, maybe not an element of chaos, but it's close to it, you know, not intentional, but I just wanted, especially in the context of the RCA mm. and how the RCA is, I like the idea of having something, you know, you came in, you didn't really understand when band's going to play, what's going to happen, how loud it's going to be, you know, yeah. um, because Deju VHS also went around the art bar outside of the garden saying fuck you uni kids very loudly with a microphone because no one was like paying, everyone was just like, you know, sitting just having these very, you know, these conversations, you know, so he did this walked around the microphone just like singing all the way around the top floor and coming back and then George Finley Ramsey was screaming in his underwear with a suit jacket and a bald head going Aah! 
you know, and then doing these performances. So it's kind of like that kind of thing. So when the when the architect students or the design students come in and they go, oh my God, and then they walk back out and there's days you're going like, ah, oh, fuck you, you thinking. I just want to create a little bit of like, oh yeah, organized chaos for a, for a minute, you know? Mm. Um, yeah. But I actually enjoyed it. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do finish that house duplex thing next year. I actually want to invite you, John, because I want to see Carolina, actually. Yeah. Because I want to do it in the Fold Gallery. Yeah. So I just have to get some funding and actually do it, like, properly and get some really interesting people playing and being able to yeah. pay them. This can be your open call now. Oh, <laughs> my open call? No, but I was just thinking, I actually did, I wrote John's name because I was thinking, like, because maybe, you know, I'm not, it's not an open call. Well, it can be an open call, but it's just... Well, how, would, how would people find out about it? Oh well, we well. I have to, I'm, well, I'm going to talk. To, I'm going to talk to Carolina, and then I'll advertise it maybe with RCA and then the, the newsletter and things like that. But I really want to get some really interesting noise artists. John and his friend from Bristol do some interesting noise. Mm. You know, I'm making some. How can people get in touch with you? Is it in, is like Instagram the best way? Um, yes, but it's not really an advertisement. I was just thinking I like John to play. Carrier pigeon. No, I, I, you I write, write your name on a rock and just throw it into the sea. Yeah. I'll be. I'll find it. If I find it, you mean, if yeah. I don't. You know, just yeah. Yeah, just throw it to the sea and then and then I'll 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 go round the British Isles yeah. with, with, with like a like a swim hat and my my goggles, like um, um and then I'll I'll try and find it. My my best, you know. Um, yeah. So that's the best way to. Just throw, right, actually, yeah, please actually do that. And then, yeah, take a picture and just keep it. Don't send it to me. And that's, and then you're in, you're in. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny because when Tommy was talking there and we talked earlier, John, about the shut on the shows that you've got on here and kind of bringing people together that are from kind of different walks of life and that being like something that you, that you wanted in a show, and I was wondering if you could just talk a bit about that. Well, it's, it's, it's very much what it's sort of being, I suppose, uh, uh, my life before going to art college, I, 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 the idea of doing something like that, I was so interested in. And then when I finally managed to sort of, you know, move out from this um, life of working in factories when I was, you know, a very young man, I got to, at the beginning, I, I, it was the most amazing, I was so pleased, I thought it was, but then after a while, I thought it's it's kind of as it's kind of almost more conventional than some of the sort of spaces that I've been working in, doing things that I didn't really find very fulfilling or, or interesting. Although, but I enjoyed you know the, the, the sort of the the environment and the kind of uh, you know the, the kind of conditions that you found yourself in with some people that you know. There's, Lot old, you know, I went there when I was very young and there was people, you know, almost retiring. So I went from being at school where everyone is the same age, you're just sitting on a production line where the person opposite you could be like a year away from retirement. And then, uh, and, and, and funny little things came out of it. I remember talking one day about this particular seven inch record, a B side. It was, it was Andy Williams, actually, The House of Bamboo. <laughs> and I remember saying, rabbiting on about trying to find this silly uh, and this guy just looked at me and the next day he came in and he just put it on the desk and I was like what he says yeah he says I used to um I used to stack uh what do you call them um 
jukeboxes. He said, that's one of the jobs in my past. He says, I've got you know, thousands and thousands of seven inch singles. And I heard you rabbiting on about this seven inch <laughs> single that apparently is worth, you know, 150 quid. He goes, it's, it's terrible. He says, it's a really, he says, have it. And I was like, oh my God. And there was this kind of, you know, the, the, these people that you knew nothing about and came mm. from all, all different and, and had different interests. No one was all interested in the same thing. And then I suppose, you know, when I was at art college, at first I loved it. It seemed so liberating because everyone was interested in the same thing. I didn't have to put up with people who weren't into the kind of music I was into or, or being interested in things like art and stuff. But then I started to kind of miss the fact that it was really hard to have a conversation when someone would just say, oh, no idea what you're talking about. Oh, that's bollocks. That's mm. the, you know, just so every, there was a kind of, you know, an agreement, I suppose, that sort of became this kind of conventionality. And thought, well... You know, I thought art school would be full of radicals. I thought, well, in some ways it isn't, because it's quite hard to meet somebody that seems to have no interest in what you're doing or no understanding of where you're coming from because they're so much older or from such a different, mm. you know, place or, or space, you know, kind of thing. So um, some of the things that Alan and I did there, now Alan was very similar, he'd, he'd been a builder in, in the early days. And there was something about, you know, if you ask a, a group of people to build a birdhouse, which was one of the shows that we did. Um, and you are some good, you know, some nice, really, really interesting people. Goshka Makuga was in the, the Birdhouse, and she made a really lovely thing. You know, it was a beautiful kind of object, and it was, you know, very sort of in keeping with her, her, her thinking and her practice and her work, and it was a lovely thing. And then, of course, we did ask, you know, some of our friends that we drink down the road with who were builders and, you know, musicians and, and people working in off different you know just just people just uh, londoners and um and it was quite funny because then someone would turn up i mean of course gary the builder wanted to do the most elaborate more art than any art in the room thing that involved f filming a bird in a nest that was overall and drilling a hole in this wall here so we could have a little screen behind and then he built the. And we was kind of laughing thinking it's, it was just so interesting watching different people for a moment inhabiting this kind of space and responding to the same thing, build a birdhouse, but mm. some people really did kind of conceive it as art mm. and other people thought, oh, I'm, be I'm being and I'm playing at being an artist or, yeah. or getting involved with something. But they, you know, it, it, that, that kind of idea of what is creative, you know, because as I was saying, a lot of these ideas came out of this Cub Scout book about what things do you need to do to get the artist badge. Mm. <laughs> so, 1970s Cublands, you had to build a birdhouse that would get you an artist mm. badge. And of course, everyone, you know, going to Cubs would just be from all over the, the, the world. Like you know, yeah. Did you so, give the badges out to them? No, we really never got round to badges. That was something we did oh, often. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, get so a birdhouse badge. Bird and then you're yeah. just like, everyone gets a little badge yeah. or a little thing. <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> yeah. It's a certificate. Yeah. <laughs> 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 John, John says I'm an artist. With that background. You know that weird background you get in school school photos? That's all like weird grey, blue. But it's all this thing. <laughs> those criteria so who, who comes up with them you know yeah. what, who, who was in that organisation you know and the, the scouts I suppose was a, you know it's it's kind of proto-military you know slightly kind of conventional orthodox kind of uh, you know sort of ideas sitting behind it but you know, then of course then all the, all the kids turn up on the Thursday night and you've got 15 different bird boxes everyone's trying to get this badge and and, and, and some are like a matchbox with a hole 
push through it and then and some of these elaborate I mean I remember my dad helping me make one and, and it really was like a proper alpine <laughs> we made all that <laughs> twigs yeah. and because my, my dad was quite handy he was always good at making stuff and I remember like turning up and being slightly embarrassed that mine was quite arty and elaborate and and suddenly thinking oh god that's a bit too much and <laughs> being an artist is a bit embarrassing yeah. <laughs> i wish i'd done the matchbox with a hole in it <laughs> just because they look a bit more kind of cred and, and sort of whatever you know just give me the badge sort of thing so yeah there was a little bit of that of being intrigued about how people would re- you know think about in, inhabiting that space and, and and to try and again push against my own uh, and you know the conversations that we we had in this space about you know what is what is it what are you trying to do when you're trying to be an artist do you just look around and sort of recognise the activity and just play that that role and try and, and you know be on on point or on trend or whatever to make sure you slot into the right mm. moment or or are you just overcome with the possibility that someone's asked you to build a birdhouse and you just go off on one and come back with this kind of monstrosity that you're slightly embarrassed about but yeah. you've kind of really kind of gone somewhere different than you would have been the previous day to make this thing and to think about it and, and I, I quite like that and it was quite funny because the, the shows but they were like installations in the end because they would always be you know a number of objects responding to whatever we'd ask people to do mm. um, and then you had to put them all in a space and try and make it interesting the way that uh, um, and some of these things that um, I mean very anecdotally not to use up too much tape because <laughs> we're in the room and, and we was I was pointing you to that cupboard over there which again um, numerous people over the years ended up sleeping in the cupboard under the stairs because it was a good place to crash but when we did the birdhouse show we put all the birdhouses in there and waited for people to come. Of course, some people never bothered to come back and pick them up, but there was two birdhouses. One was made uh, out of suet, and it was like a big round ball with a hole in it, but it was made out of suet, like fat. And then someone else made a a perspex box, uh, and inside it, they'd made a little sofa and a little TV and stuff. (laughs) Anyway, went in the, the cupboard, to, to get this suet ball out. This person had come to pick it up and me and Alan opened the door. He was going, it's definitely in it. Definitely. And then we saw this like little bit, like a little, like that, just, uh, we said, and then we both thought, oh, it's been eaten. That's, that's something's been in there and eaten it, hasn't it? And, we, and then <laughs> while we was thinking, I wonder what ate it, we looked around to the, the perspex box with the little sofa and the TV and lying on the sofa was this really fat mouse. Oh my God. <laughs> and he couldn't move. It's the fattest mouse you've ever seen. It was oh, living. Really? He'd, he'd eaten a ball of suet the size of my head and gone into the perspex box and it just lying. Oh, there was a little TV. And, and there was the whole, and it was infested with mice in, in that in that place and I mean we just you know you couldn't make it up that's an absolutely true story but yeah. then it kind of got this afterlife of these kind of these objects that, that people have made in, in yeah. good faith and, and, and enjoyed taking part and, and done it seriously and, and they were all different nothing was the same not one thing that came in the door was the same and then you got this whole kind of afterlife where they became a little ecosystem for, 
for the, for the mice to play their part in the, the collaboration by oh, yeah, eating yeah. it and it's hanging the, out in the... The borrowers, <laughs> kind of, you know? When, 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 when John's fast asleep, the borrowers come out, you know? And eat the art. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, 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 that's where they live, you know? I remember, that, yeah, it kind of reminds me of that, like, when you when you say that story of these, like, like these night creatures, you know? Because mice, you know, I had mice as well. They only come, they're, yeah. they're kind of quick as well. Yeah. So they do come out when you, like, you've, you've turned off the lights and then they come in and they probably have this, they're like, wow, what is this village, you okay. know? What has, he, what has he made for us, you know? You're probably, you know, you're like one of those villagers that, like, worship planes, like the mice are like, this man comes and makes us houses. <laughs> he brought a bowl of a massive bowl of food for us, you know. And they tell their children because they have so many generations, you know. They're probably on the, the hundredth generation after a week, you know. Yeah. <laughs> the story's getting muddled in mouse law. <laughs> You know? So I don't know if that actually counts as a collaboration. But it's a great kind of, it's a great way of drawing in or extending that idea of who actually sort of makes. But you know that that thing that you can't control. Because so I think I mean, I would never claim to have curated anything. I instigated yeah. things and invited people that I'd yeah. I'd met in some kind of capacity and had a conversation with and thought I'm pretty sure you would. I'm not sure exactly what you'll bring yeah. to the situation, but your your spirit, the way that you you've yeah. responded to things that we've talked about, I, I'm pretty sure you'd bring something that will be mm. intriguing, crazy, yeah. brilliant, beautiful, ugly, whatever it is, is something, and then you just sort of you kind of instigate things, really, don't you? Facilitate and instigate, yeah. and kind of you you kind of create a situation which people and the things that they do can come together. Because otherwise, I think that idea of when you really try to, you know, control it and knock all the sharp edges off, then you, you kind of, you know, you get, you, can get, you get what you ask for, don't you, really? Yeah, but you it's want something to be a bit, what? To be honest with you, it's like... coming through that door? It's, it's like... <laughs> Suet hit. <laughs> no! No! Did we not say not to make any of this art edible? <laughs> just, oh, I'm going to sue it, bird else. <laughs> Well, that's some of the best. I think that's the best artwork. Sometimes the kind of like the the ones you, the ones that really like um, sh yeah, they make you they make you question like whoa like. But all those performances, that's mm. pretty much what you was doing. Now, I mean, those the conversations we had at the RC about trying yeah. trying to find little spaces where that kind of idea, that sort of idea of art school, even yeah. could still e exist, where you know, people would sort of speculate. Mm and get together and do something that on some levels might make them sort of vulnerable because mm. they haven't kind of worked out exactly what well, they're doing. And you just, I mean, I saw performances of yours where yeah. most of what I saw was yeah. you trying to plug something in because yeah. it wouldn't work. Oh, Because yeah. you hadn't tested it before you turned Oh, well, you're talking about <laughs> yeah. the rock one. Just, oh, yeah. yeah. Which oh, one was it? It wouldn't work. It's just like, you know, so, but that became part mm. of it. You know, actually watching someone, mm. it, it, you know, actually trying to switch the thing on. Because it was, you didn't even know whether the thing worked before you brought it in, or, or perhaps you did. But it was yeah. like, it, that kind of felt but then, again quite yeah, live more real and, though. Sometimes yeah. it's a bit like it's a bit like the it's the theatrics of uh, you know reality. It's a bit more sometimes interesting than something that's got. It's um, it's like when I have that problem with modern bands. I think more than most modern bands, I've lost that little bit of even like um, you know. Uh, People say there's like a, a new, a new punk band or something. But then when I, when I like watch them, I feel like they're kind of they haven't got any edge 
most of them, you know, when you see on TV, even though the music's kind of, it's like that, so it's an example, like the Arctic Monkeys or whatever, but they're very much play it safe and they don't really do anything, you know, they go home probably at, you know, at nine. I just find that there's just like, yeah, there's no real, um, yeah, I think it's more interesting when you, but also that performance, I think you're talking about the rock performance, that's kind of like the, it's kind of like, I was figuring myself out in RCA, so I was doing a bit of performance and I was working, doing a collaboration with fashion, you know, I was collaborating with them, like all of the courses and just trying to see what stuck, you know, so that was like my first, you know, play into like something, you know, with this rock thing and I had to, it took me ages to find that weird, you said it was it's called like hardcore, it took me ages to find that when Zeppelin Forest and then I realised that I tried to look for something like a rock and I didn't find any. I was in there for like three hours at night, or for like walking around with this flashlight looking for a big rock. And I was like, how is this possible? I'm in a forest and where are all the rocks? You know, <laughs> and it's when I'm walking home and it's all concrete and I'm down the street and there's houses, terrace houses on each side. And then I find this hardcore thing. And I was like, well, it's led me here. This, I really wanted this rock thing, but this hardcore, it seems, it seems like it's you and I had to like dig it out a bit, you know, and I was like, I hope a dog hasn't pissed on this, but I don't know, this is it now. And then I 3D scanned it and then I drew some pictures of it and the rock kind of like um, became, and then I was, you know, and then and then there's like Nina Simone songs and then I was just like thinking about, oh, this rock and I was like, this history and this like, the journey of the rock. And then also I recorded the sound of me walking you know, for that performance. Um, and I and I remember I put the red the red bins in and I was just thinking like, it actually took actually quite a long time to find that rock. So that's why I was also, you know, thinking about an endurance performance because actually it was, I always seem to do it in a weird, I think it's after uni, so maybe yeah. I came home at seven, maybe it was like autumn. So when seven went to Epping Forest to look for it by like half eight, it's dark, pitch black. <laughs> You know, and then I'm going around like with a flashlight, like, where is this? Where's like these only little rocks? Where's the big rocks? And then I come back, so there's like this whole, and it's like, you know, you this walking thing. And I had this like um, a zoom recording all the, all the footsteps. So when I did come to perform it, you know, uh, that's why there's the sound piece was this like uh, in like a durational piece with this sort of, um, uh, yeah, with the sort of like the journey the manipulated journey sound. Um, but I always think sometimes with like art, and what we talked about earlier about reading art, I always think it's like the same sort of example when people who get so focused on good lyrics as well, I always found that quite interesting. Some people like are really obsessed with lyrics, but sometimes, but for me personally, I like melody like the melody of how it sounds. But some people are like, oh, this has got fantastic lyrics. And I listen to the song and I think this is shit, you know, it's awful. <laughs> like the actual song of it is kind of boring. Like maybe the lyrics are kind of good, but like the lyrics are not good enough. They're not Leonard Cohen, like Leonard Cohen has like interesting lyrics, but there's also like a very like, you know, beautiful touch and there's an atmosphere. But some people are just like, ah, oh, what, what are they saying? And I'm just like, can you not hear everything else, like all that energy going on, that maybe it's, and he's doing like, maybe it's like, you don't have to hear what he's saying, you know, they're like, what, what's he said? I can't understand the lyrics. I feel like that's the sort of conversation um, that's sort of similar with art reading, yeah. you know? Like, it's like, you don't have to know what they're saying, 
some bands you don't know what they're saying half the time but you like them anyway because they've got enough oomph you know you know, if you're you think... filling gaps as well. Yeah, so well, there's, 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 and, yeah. you know, whether you're looking at something or reading something or listening to something, there's, yeah. and sometimes it's nice for there to be gaps because then you feel like you can inhabit it mm. and slot in yourself and, yeah. and, and, and and kind of put the bit in that is what you want to be there. Yeah, 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 yeah. That kind of thing, which I think is, uh, again, I think some of the best artist talks I've ever heard are always where you where someone talks about what they, they do and there seems to be loads of sort of gaps which don't quite join bits up, but you've you felt like drawn in, you know, if someone's talking about, you know, something that you think, oh, that's a kind of social territory or cultural territory or, or whatever that I, I kind of recognise a bit. Uh, I, don't, I don't share all of it, but there's, uh, I recognise enough of it and then I suddenly find myself being in there and, and thinking, oh, yeah, I... I, I, I I, I, I can see that I can, I can see that I'm not, not seeing it the same way that you're seeing it but I'm definitely seeing it you've made me aware of something that's right in, in front of me a little corner somewhere in your town but now seems to be reminding me of a little corner in my mm. town metaphorically speaking yeah. and I think that's uh, otherwise it just feels so close it's just, I was listening to something on the radio the other day where they were, they'd invited someone in to talk about something and it was so close because it was so completely close to them and I just thought I, I can't summon any emotion or empathy or anything I just I don't care you, you've stopped you, you're not leaving me any space to care for you and what the person was talking about was actually quite you know something that we, we probably all exit but they were kind of talking about lockdown but it was just the way they were talking about us thinking blimey you know it's just like okay but there's you know sometimes you, another person can come on straight after you and start talking about exactly the same experience and you really kind of mm. feel you know they might be talking about bereavement or they might be talking about loneliness or whatever and you really feel for them because a little bit is you're inhabiting the space you know because they're talking with enough gaps for others to get involved in rather than this kind of you know cultural narrative which is you know people are so kind of being encouraged to be so in, in, in aware and in in conversation with themselves about these things yeah. that you think okay then there's you know you are actually talking about something that a lot of people are experiencing mm. and and the, the right kind of narrator would right kind of artist right kind of musician it's like hearing a great love song you're not you're not hearing about their love you're hearing about, oh that was my heartbreak or my yeah. you, you kind of feel unless it's so close you think well I, I didn't go out with someone called Mrs Brown and I didn't meet them on Wednesday the 28th night so you know because all the details are so specific yeah. it can't be anything other than yeah. about this you and this one instance rather than you created something where lots of people start to feel like oh yeah I've, I've carried a big rock around <laughs> you know I've, we've all carried our own rock home one evening in the dark in, in, in some way so I think that's 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 another thing that's sort of quite important you know um, trying to create spaces in, in in the way that things connect that other people might feel that they kind of participate in or contribute to um, that probably sounds a bit mm. a bit worthy actually it's not very punk is it it's probably quite a good way to kind of round things off because at the end of all these podcasts um, I don't know if you've listened to any episodes in the past but I ask um, I ask all of our guests 
the same two questions at the end. Can oh, you give me a pound? Oh, and are you going to buy me a drink? <laughs> <laughs> so the first one is, and either you could answer either of you can answer first is, if you could switch places with me at the, at the moment and visit any artist or any person in history. Oh Jesus! Oh, um, <laughs> living or dead? <laughs> what? Who would you visit? And what would you like to ask them? Mm. Oh, um, can there be artists in the broadest sense? There can be any, any, anyone. Yeah, anyone. <sighs> or anything. God, <laughs> that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Oh, I'd like, I'd like to, like, I'd like to. Um, I'd like to to meet the person who, who, who paints the talking painters in Harry Potter. Yeah. And I'll ask them like <laughs> how'd, how'd, you do how'd, how'd you do that? <laughs> <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Um, I've been watching those films and I'm just like, I don't know how, how that person is, how are they doing this? And I was just like, yeah, they're genius. <laughs> I don't know their name. It's a special yeah. kind of paint. Yeah, it's they a special. Sell, they sell it at B&Q. They sell it at B&Q. Yeah, 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 oh, okay. Is it dependent on, on, on the yeah. light? But just, just ask next time really. You've got yeah. that moving paint. Yeah. Those ones at Harry Potter. I might just, I just, yeah, just Jake, yeah, I'm like, so maybe I have to send a letter to JK. <laughs> maybe she, I don't want to know, I just want to know like, who they are. What else do they paint? Do they just paint like talking people? Or do they so paint talking chairs, or furniture, walls that move? Hey, do, 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 <laughs> yeah, cats. You know, I only saw like the fat lady sings and some like grumpy people. But I was like, really? You could, you could like, have, a, you could have like, you could, he could, they could paint like a car right now. Like, actually, they could paint a whole like theatrical movement. I'm just wondering how far does it go. <laughs> Because you could, they could paint a universe inside a painting. Will it just grow and then eventually it'll become like a, a utopia and then they'll get intelligence? Yeah, how off, how far can they do that? It's like that Doctor Who episode, isn't it? Yeah. When they realise that they, they they painted the whole of the destruction of Gallifrey in, inside the painting and they're all still in. There. Oh yes, yeah. The doctors yeah. are so yes. My little brother watched that. Yeah. yeah, he'd be an interesting person to talk to, wouldn't he? Doctor Who. All, all, all of them at once. Is that your answer? And, and then you, and you find that you are also sort of existential crisis. You are also Doctor Who. Didn't you know? Didn't you know? In five years' time, you were going to be Doctor Who. Oh shit! I think you'd be good as a Doctor Who. You know, you would be. No, I, I'm not sure Doctor Who needs any more people like me. <laughs> is, this your, is that your answer, Josh? You'd be Doctor Who. <laughs> You'd ask him, are you me? <laughs> because, uh, yeah, they're all lined up and you're at the end. Yeah. I do you not, know, I, I, I just, I can't, uh, well, I, I, one is I can't match wanting to meet the person that painted the moving <laughs> pictures in Harry Potter. <laughs> I was just thinking of, I was thinking of something, yeah. It's good, uh, it's, good. Oh, it's a brilliant answer. What's the other question? The other question is, the other question is, um, has there been a piece of advice you've been given or something that's said, something, someone, something someone has said to you that's kind of carried through in your art practice or something that you remember, um, yeah, in terms of what you make or what you do or how you govern yourself as an artist, that kind of thing? And there, there is, and it was, it was um, one of my tutors, a, a, a lovely guy, um, 
Doug Allsop, who I think is still with us. I haven't seen him in a, a long time, but he was um, he, he was, he was uh, again, like my, my friend Alan, who was also a tutor, was a kind of a good storyteller, good kind of anecdote chapter. But he, he did, I remember he just said something once, and I often say it now, but he, he, was, he said, you're in, a, you're in a country and you've, you've got, uh, it's your mum's birthday and you need to post the birthday card. It's really important, but you, you know, um, so one year, you know, you're in the UK, you've got your card, you go down the road, you see the red letterbox and it's, you know, it's there, the thing, it's got a hole in it. You go up, you see it and you just put the letter in, that's it, done. Next year, same date, got, and you're in Spain. And you go down the road with your mum's birthday card and there's this thing and it's metal and it's tall and it's got a hole in it but it's painted yellow and you go up to it and, and you think it looks like a yellow box <laughs> and it's, there's so many things about it that seem to be a little box but it's some other things that are not and it's making me sort of unsure now and uncertain and, and it's really important and I don't want to put this in here and find out it's a kind of battery recycling thing and mum's birthday card and he's saying it's, it's that thing between recognition and cognition you just see something you don't think about it you just recognise it autopilot and you mm -hmm. just go with it and then there's other things that there's, there's bits of it that just don't quite marry up and it makes you, you have to it's cognition you have to think about it because everything isn't they're not all in the right place there's enough things but and i thought i mean that's the way he told the, the anecdote and it really stuck in my mind because it, it, i i think it's when you sometimes you know you're just going on autopilot or you're just if you can just switch a few parameters around or let a few things come in that just throw i mean he used this kind of um, you know, this idea of doubt or worry or anxiety or something being important, it was meaningful that you wanted to get the, the postcard to your, to your mum or something. Mm. And the, just that, it could, the stakes went up a bit because you didn't quite, and you thought, as to try and keep, you know, like whether it's making music or making visual art, I think it's just to keep trying to put things in place that just sort of throw things off kilter a little bit. So it just stops you and you have to think for a moment and think. I still want to do this and it's really important but I just have to perhaps back away for a minute or, or slow down look for a little bit more information before I kind of and I, I always found that sort of quite it's always stuck in my mind that little thing of it just don't always follow the things you recognize or if you, you know, just don't always follow the, the obvious next chord or the next you know, and, and then there's a difference between being deliberately trying to throw everything up yeah. in the end, smash everything up, which is one kind of strategy. But I think it, it, it was it was just a, it just seemed like a little kind of shift, mm. just just shift a couple of things, and it can have a big kind of impact on your thinking. It will make you kind of think um, a little bit, you know, mm. smarter or a little bit sharper, or, or, mm. or just get up or down, left or right high or low on it, just, just don't always keep in habit in the same position, I suppose. So I thought, oh, it's it. So it just, again, just, just stuck in my mind. And it was because of him, he was very, he was always sort of really immaculately smart and very kind of conventional in the way he looked, but he was quite a kind of character and, and uh, he, he, his manner of talking and, and acting sometimes is quite, quite different from this very kind of smart and, very, you know, very kind of presentable, smart, kind of dapper chap, and I thought it's quite good because yeah, it, 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 it's you know quite 
and it's you know, that's over 20 years ago, it's 23, 4 years ago, sort of stuck in my mind. Yeah, yeah, I met, um, I met this, um, um, I met this man in the staircase in RCA, and then I had a good chat with him. Yeah. <laughs> 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 he said the toilet's that way. <laughs> no, 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 it was you, it was oh, RCA. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, I've had some good chats with you. So it's just, I was no, the first time, that's the first time. Did I tell, did I give you that one and pretend it was mine? No, no, no. I, I didn't, I didn't give you the letterbox one, is yeah, it? No, yeah, no. I've had this idea. No, 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 so, but we had a chat because I was thinking of going to the RCA, it was, dope, it was like an open day. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah it's all right, you've got lots of students, so it's all right. You've had many lives, <laughs> Doctor. You know, <laughs> you're just trying to like, which one? Oh, when I was, when I was like, when I had the scarf or not, you know. <laughs> So I don't expect you to remember. But right. yeah, when I had open day in RCA, if the RCA and then we had a talk and you were on the, you were yeah. on the staircase and we were just talking about yeah. the whole um, exhibition. But that was a good chat. Also, um, so yeah, it's supposed to be a compliment, uh, but it was actually the truth. But I just <laughs> want to keep it vague. So it's, just, <laughs> it's the truth wrapped up in a compliment. Yeah. It's covered a, in vague. <laughs> no, it's true though. Well, that's the first time I met John Strutton and it's true. And then, and then a good one was just about how to, thinking about your, uh, yeah, tutorials. I think the best tutorial, one of the best tutorials, um, actually, I also like, sorry, I also like Cullen and, Cullen and, and Richards, but mm. I'm not sure which one I met. I can't remember. Was it up? They, they one generally of, came in as a pair, I think. When, I, I met I one of them, oh, right, okay. just one. She was good. She was good, so she's my second. Yeah. Well, I'm just thinking about RCA. Yeah. You were good, and I liked her. <laughs> and that's it. Yes. <laughs> Ringing endorsement. <laughs> Go to the RCA next year. <laughs> Other colleges are available. I had an interview with Goldsmiths. I had no, I had no conversation at the staircase. Oh, that's it. That, that was my job. I was told. <laughs> I, was, I was purpose. You hang around on the stairs and, and catch, catch people. Give them one of your strut and monologues with your Doctor Who scarf on and then, and then <laughs> they'll apply for the RCA instead of... <laughs> Any of the competitors. You know, you know. So, yeah. Well done, well played. So that, yeah, that <laughs> well, well, I think that was it's a perfect place to finish. <laughs> um, I just want to say thanks so much, guys. That was um, I love that. This, I know we've been this has been being planned for a long, long time. <laughs> <laughs> and, and as you can see, the effect of the end of the talk has caused the person who's allowing us to to work us to drop all their kind of cutlery and plates off. So now, now I feel terrible. <laughs> <laughs> that, oh, that, that, spe that, that spectrum of emotion I just felt over the last five seconds. Yeah. Um, but I just want to say, I know this has been planned for ages, but it feels great to be back and it's super lovely. If you both to give me your time and to be here in this space just feels, it feels a bit surreal actually, but um, it's really special. So thanks for, thanks, for, thanks for agreeing to come on and I've loved it. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Dave. It's nice to it's nice to to be back here with you two, and this feels yeah. like another kind of continuation and 
I should have said when that question of meeting someone, but I should have said I'd like to go back to Alan and say, what do you think? What do you think of what we're doing now? Is, is it a load of rubbish? <laughs> well, that, that was him yeah. topping yeah. it over. Yeah, Alan, knocking, <laughs> knocking some spoons and bottles. Oh, no. so, will you get out of my bloody house? Are you still here after all these years? Oh. They're making my son just like stay yeah. in the kitchen yeah. in his house. It wasn't for you guys. Rabbit on the there is a limit to my generosity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. oh, cool, brilliant. Thank you. That's all right. Well, thank you very much for listening. Please find more information about what was discussed in the podcast in the notes section. And if you like what you heard and would like to keep up to date with new episodes, um, then please subscribe or follow us depending on which listening platform you use. And head over to our Instagram page, at to the studio, which we regularly update with posts about each guest we have and all other goings on as well. To the studio is produced by the audio wizard and all-round great guy that is Theo Bird. And I would thoroughly recommend getting in touch with him for all your audio needs. On Instagram, he is birdperson. Bird is spelt B-Y-R-D, person. Also, if you can spare a moment to leave us a lovely review, that would help us out a lot. And it allows us to reach a few more ears than we are currently. And lastly, if you've got any suggestions or opinions you wish to share with us, then please feel free to do so on any of our social media platforms or send us over an email. Our details are again in um, the notes section uh, of each episode of the podcast. Well, thanks very much again for listening, and we'll see you next time.